Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Tim Reynolds with Bible Truth for Living. We sure appreciate you tuning in. Today, it's Sunday, January the 8th. 2023. We're glad you tuned in. Don't forget that all of our radio broadcasts are also available on the Bible Truth Podcast. Uh, You can go to your favorite uh, podcast store, whether that's Apple iTunes or there's a variety of them, and you can search and find the Bible Truth Podcast with Tim Reynolds and uh, all of our radio recordings, including some extra Bible teaching uh, from myself and my dad, uh, Dr. Ron Reynolds, and uh, all of them are on there, and you can listen at your own at your own time. You know, I think that's great on a podcast, whether you're working out or taking a walk or uh, cleaning the kitchen, whatever the case is, you can listen to them at any time. So I would encourage you to do that. And uh, if you do not have a home church, we, of course, invite you to the churches where I have the privilege of pastoring. First of all, Mount Vernon Baptist Temple. We are located at 817 Woodland Drive here in Mount Vernon. We start the day uh, every Sunday at 9 o'clock with Sunday school classes for all ages. And then at 10 o'clock, we have our morning worship service. I'm currently preaching a series titled Cadence, looking at getting in rhythm and in step with God as we begin this new year. And uh, we have a bus that picks people up and brings them to church. Maybe, uh, you know, someone that maybe has a hard time getting around. Uh, We have a handicap bus for those with wheelchairs and walkers, and we'll bring them to church, take them back home. That's every Sunday at 10. And then we have a Sunday afternoon service during the winter months that begins at three o'clock. And uh, I'm beginning a series actually today titled Happiness is a Serious Problem. We're going to be looking at uh, some things that um, cause happiness, some things that uh, are confused uh, for happiness over the next few weeks. And so uh, if you if you want to come out in the afternoon, 3 o'clock, you can do that. Mount Vernon Baptist Temple, you can call us at 618-244-5404 or find us online at mountvernonbaptisttemple.com. We also have a Christian homeschool program for students of all ages, even adults looking to earn a high school degree. You can check that out as well. I encourage you to do so. And then Waltonville Community Church, we meet every Sunday morning at 1115. We're at 321 South Hiram Street, just across from the Waltonville Cafe, and uh, you can call or text at 618-315-1111, or you can visit us online at waltonvillecommunitychurch.com. Today's message is titled, Do All Religions Point to the Same God? This is a question that is asked frequently, and so I thought I would bring a message on this to maybe clear up any confusion. I'm going to begin in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. The Bible says, For there is one God and one mediator, or go-between, between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Now, before we look at the question or consider the question, do all religions point to the same God, we must differentiate between relative truth and absolute truth. 
Relative truth says truth is whatever I want it to be. It's relative. It changes with my feelings or uh, my opinions. Nowadays, it's popular to say, well, this is my truth or what is his truth or her truth. That is relativism. Uh, Another uh, term for it is situational ethics. It's truth if it fits uh, my way of thinking. All right, that's relativism. Then there is absolute truth, which says this is how it is. There is no your truth, my truth, his truth, her truth, or how I even feel about it. It's just absolute truth. Now, based on your belief, and I personally believe that absolute truth is found in God's word, since that is the basis for absolute truth, we can then answer the question, do all religions point to the same God? Here's why. Because it is not possible for Christianity and Islam or Mormonism, Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, any of the isms uh, to be correct and Christianity to be correct and true at the same time. Uh, If there is absolute truth to all be true at the same time, uh, it would have to be relative truth. So if you feel like Mormonism is the right path or Judaism or Hinduism or Islam, if you feel like that's the path that you want to take. That's relative truth. Uh, They can all be wrong, of course, but they cannot all be right. Why is that? Because the claims of one automatically excludes the claims of all the others. All right. Now, with that in mind, uh, we're going to look at some of the different views to answer this question. Do all religions point to the same God? Well, the first thing I think that we need to look at is what is every religion's view on the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, several of the world's religions recognize the person of Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you something. The Jesus of Islam and Mormonism and Christian science and many of these other uh, so-called religions or isms today, that Jesus is not the same Jesus that historic Christianity and the Bible recognizes. Only Christianity recognizes the sufficiency of Christ alone as the eternal God-man. He is the one who died for the sins of the world, rose again on the third day, and he alone is the only means and method of salvation. Again, let's read the text, 1 Timothy 2, verses 5 and 6. For there is one God and one mediator. That word mediator, mediator means go between, between God and men. There's only one, and here here he is, the man Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus Christ is 100% God and 100% man. You have both his deity and his humanity, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. That means he is he is given for all. Now, not everyone accepts him. You know, that's universalism that says, well, everyone's going to heaven. No, he gave himself for all. He is available for all. Some have put it this way. He is sufficient for all to be saved, but only efficient for those that trust him as their savior. There's a big difference. Here's another scripture, 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 through 6. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit that beareth witness 
because the spirit is truth. Of course, Jesus himself said in John 14 and verse six, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the father, but by me. Jesus spoke those words himself. So it all, first of all, comes down to their view of Jesus Christ. And then secondly, there is uh, every religion's view regarding God, their view of God. You know, when someone says, I believe in God, that's really not uh, a big step of faith because that can mean a variety of things to a variety of people and especially to a variety of religions. For example, humanism believes in God. Humanism says that man is his own God. Pantheism believes in God. That is, everything is God, and God is everything, whether that is the trees and the grass and the water, that God's wrapped up in all of it. Hinduism. Hinduism says there are many gods, in fact, up to 33 million gods. How would you like to uh, sit down and pray to each one of those? Five recognized deities uh, who coincide with man's five senses, uh, the most prominent being Brahman. That's all part of Hinduism. How about Buddhism? Well, Buddhism denies the existence of any deity or God. So boy, when you talk about the view of God, it's very important. How about Judaism and Islam? Well, they both are Unitarian monotheists. They believe in one God who exists as one deity. You have the Jews who believe in Yahweh, Jehovah as one God, and that's mentioned in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And then you have the Muslims who believe that Allah is the one God. So uh, is Jehovah and Allah the same person? Well, I don't think so. And here's what Christianity says. Christianity, rather than being a Unitarian monotheist, we are Trinitarian monotheists. Now, I don't want to uh, confuse you with these terms, these theological terms, but here's what Trinitarian monotheism is. It is the belief in one God existing eternally as three co-equal persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Not three separate gods, one God manifested in three co-equal persons with uh, particular offices and, and duties, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot of scriptures I could read to you, but I'm going to read First John 5 and verse 7. Here's what it says. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and that's Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. All right, so I think that's pretty clear. And so Christianity's view of God is that we have one God manifested in three co-equal persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So that's very important to understand. Now, here's the next thing that we need to look at, and that is what are the uh, religions of the world's view regarding original sin or inherent sin? Well, let me give you some examples. Buddhism has no concept of sin, all right? It's not even a, a reality. Hinduism is really the same way, no concept of original sin, being born with a sin nature. Islam has no concept of original sin, and neither does Judaism. So those four isms, uh, they have no concept of what original sin is. They, they do not teach that. You see, it is only Christianity that teaches the concept of original or inherent sin. You say, Pastor, what is original sin or inherent sin? What that means is that Christianity, the Bible, teaches that sin 
is something that already dwells within us the moment we are born. It is an indwelling sin. It is a sin we are born with. Now, why are we born with a sin nature? Well, let's let the Bible speak for itself. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Here's what the Bible says. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. Now, we need to know who that one man is. Well, that's talking about Adam. Remember in Genesis chapter 3, it is Adam who was responsible for taking of the fruit. Eve was deceived, but Adam willingly took it, and it plunged all of humanity into sin. Now, here's what it says. Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death tells, or or rather the Bible tells us that death is the result of sin. You see, we think of sin as an act. You know, I, I did something wrong, therefore I committed a sin. Sin is not so much an act as it is a condition. It's a condition of man. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. Why? For that all have sinned. We are born with it. We have sin DNA, all right? It's in us, and it's been passed down from Adam. Here's a couple of more verses there in Romans 5, verses 18 and 19. Therefore, as by the offense of one, Adam, judgment came upon all men, all right? Everyone that's that's come since Adam. Uh, uh, so that judgment comes upon all men to condemnation, Even so, by the righteousness of one, that's Jesus Christ, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. When we receive Christ, which is the free gift of salvation, we are justified. The word justified means made righteous, justified, never sinned. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, that's Adam, so by the obedience of one, Christ, shall many be made righteous. I hope you understand that concept. All of the other religions say that man is not born with sin. And therefore, if you have that concept, you think, well, I can surely educate man enough or put him in a good enough environment, uh, solve his economic problems, and that will make him a good person. No, the problem is it doesn't matter how much money you have, education you have, what your environment is like. Adam and Eve were in a perfect environment in the Garden of Eden. We have a sin nature we are born with, and the only way to deal with it is by receiving the free gift of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ, and we receive his righteousness. What a trade-off. He gets our sin, we get his righteousness, all right? Uh, you, You can't beat that kind of deal. Now, why is this doctrine of original sin or inherent sin so important? I think several reasons. I'm going to give you just a few. Number one, the doctrine of original sin means that sin is not the result of people's sinful acts, but it is the result of Adam's one sinful act, all right? So again, you do not sin to become a sinner. I don't sin to become a sinner. We are born sinners. It is in us because we have all descended from Adam who committed the first sin and plunged all of humanity into this situation. Number two, original sin means that we do not sin to become sinners, but we sin because we are sinners, all right? That's just something that's in our nature. Number three, 
Original sin means that death is the result of Adam's sinful act. God said that's what would happen, and it has continued to happen and will continue to happen until uh, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, conquers uh, that once and for all. We know he conquered it at the cross, but uh, we still die physically, and that will one day uh, be done away with. Number four, uh, original sin also means that we are sinners by nature, by choice, and by practice. Now, we don't like to look at ourselves that way. Uh, Modern psychology certainly does not promote that. Modern psychology says, well, there's something good about us. And if we can just uh, fan that spark of good, uh, you know, have a positive self-image, that has crept into, unfortunately, the church even today. But that's not what the Bible says. You know, the Bible tells you like it is, whether you like it or not, whether it feels good or not. According to the scripture, we are sinners by nature, by choice, and by practice. And then number five, it means that every person is infected with inherent sin passed down by Adam. You know, you think of being infected by a virus. We all are certainly familiar with the coronavirus, but you have something uh, worse than the coronavirus that could kill you, and, and it will kill you at a 100% rate, and that is sin. We all have it. We're, we're infected by it, and it can only be dealt with through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you another one here, and that is uh, it's important to understand religion's view of salvation. Now, Follow me closely here. All religions teach some form of salvation, but this form of salvation is based on human effort and human goodness. You see, you have to throw out the problem of original sin for this to even be possible, all right? For human effort and goodness to to overcome uh, ourselves, you have to throw out original sin to begin with. So, If you can perform really well in your life and you can follow all the tenets of whatever religion you follow, you can uh, hopefully at some point achieve salvation. At least that's what they say. Let me give you some examples. Hinduism. Hinduism uh, promotes karma. You know, that what goes around comes around, so to speak. Meditation. A pathway of knowledge. These are all parts of Hinduism. Buddhism involves enlightenment reincarnation, you know, so if you didn't do so well in this life, you might come back as a bug or a, uh, whatever, you know, and if you keep doing good, you can continue to be reincarnated until you eventually reach nirvana. That's part of Buddhism. Islam says there's no guarantee of salvation. Uh, you live a good life, and eventually, even when you die, it is still up to the will and the mercy of Allah. And then Judaism says you must honor God, you must live holy, you must observe all of the Jewish feasts, uh, the prayers, keep Torah, which is the law of Moses. And if you do all of that right, uh, you just might make it uh, to God in the end. All right. So notice all of it involves things that you do, human effort. Now, it is only Christianity that teaches this good news, that's the gospel, that it is someone else who had lived a perfect life and sacrificed himself for man's sin. You see, all of of the other world's religion says, this is what you have to do. Only Christianity says, somebody already did it for me, all right? And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you some scriptures on that. Romans chapter four and verses four through eight. Now to him that worketh is the reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. If you're working for salvation, you're not getting farther ahead, you're getting farther behind. You're, you're putting yourself in more debt. 
But to him that worketh not or tries doesn't try to work for salvation, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, that's Christ, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness uh, without works, and that word imputeth means puts it on your account, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. What does that scripture mean? It means the person that tries to work for his or her salvation is only digging a deeper hole for themselves. But the person that says, you know what, I I can't work for it. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. I'm going to place all of my faith in what Christ has already done. Here's what happens. The righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed or placed on the sinner's account. And so now God looks at, you could think of it like a balance sheet and looks and sees, well, you're in the plus, you're in the, you're in, you're in good shape here because you have righteousness on the credit side. Well, what happened to that sin? Christ took that. But if you're trying to work for it, when God looks at the debit sheet, he sees nothing but debit. He sees nothing but you're in the red. Why? Because you have no righteousness there. The Bible says all of our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. And so Jesus already paid it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Here's another one, Romans 5 and verse 1. Therefore, being justified, made righteous by faith. All right, it's not by works. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, the salvation is not of works, lest any man should boast. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, you must make peace with God in order to have the peace of God. Peace with God is only made through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when you've made peace with God, you come into this world as actually an enemy of God. That's what the Bible teaches. But you make peace with God when you accept his son, Jesus Christ, as your savior. And then as a bonus, as a benefit, you then have the peace of God the Bible speaks of in the book of Philippians that passes all understanding. Let, let me give you one more question here. And, and, and this is a question that, that uh, people will ask sometimes as well. What about those who have never heard about Jesus? Is it fair uh, if they die in their sins? Well, I think we need to understand three things. Number one, God has already revealed himself to humanity. God is under no other obligation because he's already revealed himself to man. Listen to Romans 1, verses 18 through 20. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest or revealed in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Here's basically what that means. We already have a conscience and we have a a way of knowing whether we're doing right or not, right or wrong. All right. So God's already placed that in us. But then he's also showed something else to us. Listen to verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen 
being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You go outside, you look at the clouds, you see a sun, you see trees, you see grass. There's a, there's a maker, there's a creator. You look at a painting, there's an artist. You look at creation, there's a creator. So God has already revealed himself to man. Number two, every generation is responsible for the next generation. Listen to verse 21, because that when they knew God, They glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Now, Romans chapter 1, I believe, is referring to the pre-flood culture and society. They knew God, but they were not thankful. They wouldn't recognize God, and pretty soon their children and their grandchildren forgot God altogether. Now, sad to say, that's the state of America today. A hundred years ago, you know, people recognized God and talked about God. We don't see that today near like there was years ago. We've dropped the ball there. Every generation is responsible for the following generation. Number three, we all as Christians are responsible to tell the world about Jesus. That's why we send missionaries. That's why we're we're on the radio and we have podcasts. We, we have that responsibility. Listen now to Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 17. And I'll wrap up with this. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? We are all preachers. You know, you think of the preacher as the person behind the pulpit. No, that's all of us. A preacher is just someone who proclaims the gospel. And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful is the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why this is called Bible truth for living. It's not about hearing Tim Reynolds. It's about hearing the word of God because it is the word of God that enables one to have faith to place in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. I think we need to do that by any and every means possible, whether that's getting online, going on the radio, a podcast, preaching from church, uh, sending out gospel tracts, having a bus ministry, uh, help uh, helping send out missionaries. I mean, that's our duty because there are people that are lost and dying and going to hell. You say, is that fair of God? God's always fair. God's always just. He has placed that responsibility upon us to be his witness uh, to the whole world about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you doing that? Uh, Have you uh, been faithful to that? If not, let me encourage you in this new year. uh, You and I are responsible to tell our children, our grandchildren, our family members, our neighbors, our co-workers, our friends about Jesus Christ. If we can talk about sports, we can talk about politics, we can talk about Jesus, which is the best news of all. Amen? And that's the difference in Christianity and all the other religions in the world. Thank you so much for listening today. I pray the message is a help to you. I encourage you to be in the house of the Lord if at all possible. I look forward to being with you again next Sunday. Until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying may God bless you is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to timrey1 at hotmail.com.
or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Thank you for listening.